Hello, 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 listener, and welcome to episode six of Area de Rigori, ADR for BreakingTheLines.com. Thanks for joining us, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple, or Anchor.fm. This is your weekly dosage of all things Calcio, from Tammy Hebram to Max Allegri, north to south. Everything going on in the world of football in Italy, we will be covering it. I'm your host, Danish Iqbal. My Twitter handle is Danish Sislak. <laughs> Joining me today, Maxi from Sweden. Hi. How are you doing, Maxi? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, yes, very good. I actually enjoyed, uh, just enjoyed a bit of a, a pizza uh, pizza party. It was, uh, it, was a, it was a birthday party I was, I was just at. Nothing special, nothing, uh, nothing party-ish. It was my uh, niece's birthday, but I'm, I'm all stocked up on pizza, ready to talk about Italian football. Now, you are uh, a journalist for Football Scanalen, is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Good pronunciation. Thank you. Yes. Uh, shout out to all my Swedish friends out there that cho- that taught me that. They also taught me. Uh, <laughs> let, let, let's see if I get this right or not. Shubra. <laughs> Is that right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Shubra. <laughs> and it means uh, a guy I met in Thailand one time told me that means cheers. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, I got it down. So yeah, you're a journalist for Football Scanalan. But you're also you you have um, Italian family. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so so I'm born and raised in Sweden, but but my family is from from Italy, uh, a place outside of uh, Torino called uh, Alba. Uh, so they're all very big uh, Torino supporters. Nice, that's what we like to hear. Remember the this is a bit of a side note, but remember the Alessio Cecchi for Torino. Oh yeah, that was great times, man. What a partnership, Chemoble. We called him Chemoble. He went to, he went to Atletico Madrid. He went to Milan. It just didn't work out for him. Yeah, that's it. Was such a shame because both both were so good, uh, and it didn't work out yes. very well for Chiro either at uh, Dortmund or or Sevilla. Yeah. They worked out for Chiro at Lazio, but Chichi has just gone off the map, really. I've, um, he was, this is a weird story, but he's part of the, um, a big reason why I got into Italian football, because for, for those who, who regularly listen to this, my team is Man United. We're not doing very well at the moment, whatever. Um, <laughs> we weren't doing very well at the time. Uh, we had David Moyes, and I started watching Italian football a bit more seriously than normal, because a guy called Chichi was, uh, I think he was like top goal scorer or top assister till like... Hell Yes. I think January, so I started watching that and got in, and, and got into it. It was the season where Torino got into Europa League. So, unless you're Chichi, if you're listening to this, reach out to us, man. We want to get you on this podcast. Yes. Anyway, enough about uh, my origins of love for the Italian football. This week, plenty to digest and discuss. Let's start with wherever else would we start with the shock in the San Siro yesterday. Milan Spezia. Massive, massive three points for Spezia. This is a massive surprise win for them. And of course, it's been a while since we unpacked uh, a controversial decision here on ADR, but here we have it. A, a massively controversial decision yesterday. I don't think that there will be any arguments or debates with this one. Um, Milan should have had a second goal when Junior Messias yeah. scored. What, what, what happened or what transpired? I think maybe it was Ante Rebic. Ante Rebic. So, so it was 1 1, Milan 1 1. Milan are. Uh, knocking on the door heavily for a, for a last-minute winner. Ante Rebic goes down on a foul in the edge of the penalty area. In the meantime, the ball goes to the right. Juni Messias puts it in, arrows it in. But before that, the referee has already blown his whistle and given the free kick, henceforth disallowing the goal for Milan. Coincidentally, literally 30, 40 seconds later, 
expect to go up the other end and score. And somehow Milan lose the game. Um, the, the, the decision should have been given. It, Milan should absolutely have won this game. They, they threw away three points, but it has to be said that Messiah's goal, like there's no other way around it. That should have stood. You can't get around it in any way. Or the officiating is so bad in in City. I, I I talk a lot of to a lot of people who watch the Premier League and go, "Oh God, the referees are so bad, aren't they?" I'm like, man, you you don't watch enough Italian games. The officiating is just comical, but it's comical to a point now where it's costing teams uh, points. Having said all that, Milan should have been way out of sight before this this even occurred um they had a massive amount of chances rafa leao was very very instrumental again he, he just keeps getting better game in game out but milan should have should have won this game before that but it's uh the spetsy end up getting a big three points maxi yeah yeah and uh, it was a crucial crucial loss for milan as well uh, because they they had a chance to Advance some against against Inter in the in the top of the table, but now now they're falling behind. Probably because not only are they two points behind Inter, they have one one more game played. So as as you said, there's no way around that. That is a crucial decision by the referee. But somehow I can't get past that. Milan should have scored more goals uh, before that. Um, the, the the penalty Theo Hernandez misses is also so sloppy and I, I forgot about that. Theo Hernandez also missed a pen in this. Yeah, yeah, and if he scores that, maybe Milan are two one, uh, two goals up, and uh, whether whether that goal for Messiah stands, they they're winning it anyway. Uh, so yeah, I I, I it. I don't like blaming the referees. As I think Pioli said it fairly well that they shared the responsibility for this loss. Milan could have could have killed off the game earlier as well. I agree. Um, plenty of chances for Milan. They should have had three points. They don't end up going two points behind into Milan now and into have a game in hand uh, on them. I believe against Empoli, which means that they could go five ahead when they basically had no right to do. I, I, I think the. Quintessential fact is Pioli in Milan, Pioli in particular. I've said many times on this on this podcast, has done a fabulous job for, for AC Milan. It, his, the job he's done should be admired. The, the, I think the sort of rejuvenation or res, resurgence for Milan happened not last season, the season before when Ibra came in in January, and they went on a massive winning run. They ended the season well. I think it was something like thirteen or fourteen games that they won at the end, and that's not going to be. Maybe the the absolute fact there, so somebody can look that up. But having said that, um, they ended up getting Europa League last year. They were back in the Champions League, but this season, I wanted them to kick on and fight for Scudetto, which I think they're well within their rights to do. But it all comes down to I think they've just been injured too much. Their players are unavailable all the time. It seems there's always players unavailable for Milan. Yeah, and that's been a recurring problem for for quite a while now. I can't put words to why, but but for as long as I can remember, they've always had plenty of injuries uh, hurting them. And whether that's something they have to work on with the load of training or physios, I I, I don't have the answer to that. But it's a recurring problem that that keeps hurting Milan uh, and. Right now, when when uh, 
there's also been uh, AFCON, it's been uh, very evident when uh, Kessi and Paulo Torre was has been away. Yeah, AFCON also has has an effect on that. But but like I said, like I've said before, when when you have players out regularly, it it upsets the rhythm uh, badly. Two players come back, two players lose again, two players come back, two players are out again. It spoils the rhythm, and Pioli is just used to uh, to and and this Milan side are always used to having to rely on not uh, their first eleven all the time. So I think overall that's where they will lose Scudetto this season. I think they will push into hard as well as they can. Uh, but it will be injuries that cost them. I think they, either that or they have to do what they sort of did last year where they had a bit more of a cleaner run in the second half of the season in terms of injuries. All is not lost, I would not I would say. They're only five points off. There's there's plenty of football left to play, I think. Inter will eventually drop points like they did this weekend. But um, if Milan can get a bit more strength and depth in the summer, this would really, really jolt them for a, for a Scudetta push next year. But I think they can do it this year. Am I being a bit too... <laughs> Ambitious for Milan fans, or I, I don't, I can't tell. Lexi, I, I don't think you're too ambitious. Uh, the I think the outspoken goal for Milan this season is to continue qualifying for the Champions League. But when you're in this position, you you have to you have to fight for for the Scudetto, and, and I think Milan will keep on doing that. Uh, as you, as you say, I think that uh, the the recurring injuries will be uh, will be a big. Uh, problem for them but uh, also as you you said i i think that milan lacks a bit of depth right now uh, because when when they're down like against spezia or uh, i mean sorry when when they're having problems uh, winning the games they need to have stronger players throwing on the throwing on the pitch to make a difference i think of course olivier uh, Giroud is, is is a player of that caliber, but otherwise they don't really have that that depth on their bench like like uh, say Inter has. So I think that combined with the, the injuries will will be the big problem for Milan. Uh, let's see let's see how they they're strengthening themselves now in the in the mercato. But I I don't expect much from them to be honest. <laughs> no, me neither. Um... Spezia get a massive three points for Thiago Motta's side. Normally, you know, when minnows or relegation fodder um, play well against a big team, you think, you know, there's a bit of praise for them and, oh, wow, they defended so well. I don't even think Spezia did that. Like, I was watching the game, like, how have Milan missed so many chances? Let's not let's not get it twisted here. Yes, the uh, mock-up with, with the Messiah's goal, but Milan should have really had this in the bag. Ibris probably woke up this morning and, and thought of how on earth they didn't win that. Yeah, for sure. And I, I think the entire Milan squad will will wake up and have that thought in their head. Uh, as the commentator said, it's a daylight robbery by Spezia, but Milan allowed it to happen. Uh, so they only have themselves to blame. I, I think uh, as well that Milan allowed Spezia a bit too much room behind behind their defense and uh, a bit too much time. Perhaps, but in, in, in doing that, do you, do you not feel as though Milan thought, okay, it's Spezia, they clearly have not bad players, but, but a player of, of calibers that we can easily beat and they're probably going to play a low block. So we are just going to go gung-ho and do everything we, we can to break that. And, and in doing that, we might commit a, a, a number of players up front. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I definitely agree agree with that. And I think that Milan should do that. Uh, but now when they have Florenzi at the right back, Galulu, who's not a who's not a center back, and Gabbia, who lacks a bit of pace, three three quarters of their back line, I think they need to be more careful. And, and I think that was something they get punished for in the end. And and it's a special situation too, like in, in stoppage time, because Milan are chasing a winner, uh, so you have to lift up the team. Uh, so that that's a special situation as well. So I I don't think you can blame that too much, but I think more like it's been a, a problem the last couple of games, perhaps more than against Spezia uh, yesterday. But I think Milan has been a bit too risky with her with her back line. Yeah, I I would argue that that's that's when they're most effective. But uh, I, I hear what you're saying. Also, with the the final goal, when the ball comes to Kalulu, as in when Fuspetti's winning goal, when the ball comes to Kalulu, he just doesn't handle it, and because of that, the cross comes in and Spetia able to score. It, the ball also goes past Gabia, and you just think, ah, would that happen if Tamori was playing? Would that happen if Kaya was playing? Probably not, right? Yeah, yeah, probably not. And again, that's that's a bit of of what we're talking about about the the depth. Let, let, let's see. Milan uh, now have Juve next, and then the derby. So, two tough games, which could be the next two fixtures could decide whether Milan are going to say, okay, actually, yeah, we're going to not down tools or anything, but the next two games could possibly decide, yes, we can actually push for his Scudetto or we might actually be in a top four race. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, these two games would be kind of season defining for Milan. And uh, as I said earlier, I think they should go for it. But if it's not working, they need to be realistic because the goal this season has, maybe from the from the supporters, that they, they want Milan to... To challenge for the title, but the club's goal and Maldini and Pioli's goal has always been to qualify yet again to Champions League and continue doing that until they can consider themselves a, a regular Champions League contender. Because as, as Maldini said, you're not a Champions League contender because you qualified one time. It's when you qualified three or four times you can consider yourself a Champions League team and that is what Milan needs first and foremost in my eyes because not only does it strengthen their status as a club but that also lures bigger bigger players to join the club and gives Milan a better financial state to bring in better players to continue growing and uh, right now they don't have a team to who should be able to win the Scudetto but of course they can, but I don't think it's so realistic. Yeah, uh, but with the two games coming up as well, they've got to be really careful that they do not get drawn into the trap door of a top four race because all of a sudden, I don't know how, but Max Allegri and Juve are seven points behind them. You should never uh, count Juve out. So they beat, they beat Milan this week, they'd be four points behind them. All of a sudden, man, I don't know how he's done it. That Mr. Max Allegri again. That little pest. No, unfortunately, not even even with the even with the tactics of Allegri this year. Well, it's now Landucci, of course, because Landucci is, is playing fabulous tactics. Uh, even uh, in the Coppa Italia tonight, they're, they're playing brilliant uh, offensive football. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you should never count count them out because they have the DNA to to have success. Uh, Again, that's because they've been a regular in, in the Champions League. They've won the Scudetto. Uh, 
nine times in a row. So they've established themselves uh, as a top, top team. And you should never count out those teams, even even if they're, I think it was one point in time where they were like 14 points off Milan or something. Now it's seven. Yes. Yeah. They've gone on a good run, but uh, I think they've had some some good teams to play. But 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 let's see. Tough times. Uh, well, not tough times, but trying times ahead for Milan and, and all the more interesting. Moving on to their crosstown rivals and the league leaders. Inter Milan played Gasparini's Atalanta, who were fourth spot. An injury ravaged Atalanta, I have to say. Lots of players out. But this was the uh, standout fixture of the weekend. No Hatabo, no Gosens, no Zapata, no Ilicic, no Joachim Myler. For Gasparini's Atalanta, it was a nil-nil, but uh, it was a patient game of, of chess tactics. It was really interesting to see some of the tactics that Gasparini used in this. Did you, did you watch the game, Matt? Uh, unfortunately, I, I w- wasn't able to because I was working. I only <laughs> the last 15. Like a good 40 minutes. Yeah, I think like the last 15 minutes or so. But... <laughs> But I, but I watched uh, watched uh, some of the game back, and I was very impressed with how how Atalanta coped with uh, with Inter. Yes, yes, yes. Especially with as many players out with injuries or or sickness, as you said, I, I think it was a very impressive impressive display by Gasperini and Atalanta. But but you shouldn't uh, take credit away from Inter because they they executed a great game as well. Was that it was a great opponent who, who stood up well, so they didn't uh, get the win as they as they used to. I found the tactics really really interesting from from Gasparini, Atalanta. We used to seeing them play open football, attractive. It's fast flowing. Um, the, 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 the wing backs push forward. The forwards are explosive. In this uh, against Inter, apart from I think maybe the first 20, 25 minutes where they pressed Inter and so much so that the Hakan Chanahoglu, Barella, Brozovic, everybody was pinned way back. So I think that this was an approach that we haven't seen against Inter before that Atalanta possibly showed where maybe you can quell Inter is by pressing them right up the pitch. When they did this, I, I thought that they shut down Inter's attacking outlook well. But after, but after maybe him realizing that, okay, I don't have all the players necessary for, for me to do this for the whole game, so I'm going to push back a bit. Because in the second half, they sort of dropped off and let Inter have the ball more. But having said that, Atalanta did have chances when they did press Inter for instance, when Brozovic was pressing at the edge of the penalty area and then Pessina, who had Atalanta's best chance of the game, had a one-on-one. Or when they created overloads and Toloi went buccaneering down the right and crossed it in for Pasolic, Atalanta did have chances to score. It was interesting seeing Gasparini, as one of the best coaches in the league, adapt to a, a injuries in his own team and be a different opponent. Because what they what they did against Inter, I thought, was was very admirable. Having said that, Inter did have their chances as well. Eden Zeko had a... <laughs> Stinking game. He he missed a few sitters, missed a few uh, headers as well. But like you said, watching Inter right now, it was a very patient game of football to watch from them. I felt like I watched like I don't know twenty thirty minutes of the game with just Handano- Handanovic having the ball, waiting waiting for. But honestly, it was just he had the ball for ages and then waited for pass because Atalanta was sitting off. This was after sort of the initial press in the first half. Um, but they did they did create a, a few opportunities to score though. Into um, if Eden Zeko had his shooting boots on, maybe they they would have got to three uh, plus three points. Yeah, yeah, and I I admire uh, Gasparini's approach uh, very much because as as we've said, it, he came to the game against the best team in Italy right now uh, with some key players missing, and yeah, he he went for it. He didn't 
adapt in, in that way to Inter and just sat back and, and defended. He he went for it and didn't, it didn't go all the way, but it, it, it was a great game and they at least got one point with them, um, which I think if you play Inter, uh, you should be happy with one point right now because they're ma- right now they're a machine and they're just keep on steamrolling against opposition. But, but I, I noticed, as you said, uh, that Jekyll, I don't think he's been himself so much since he, he got uh, the COVID uh, coronavirus. Uh, he hasn't, I, I can't put my finger on it, but he, he hasn't been himself since, I think. Perhaps, yeah, that's a, that's a good salient point. It might be, um, might be one. Um, and Zaghi tends to interchange a lot with his strikers as well. Lautaro Martinez started on the bench. There was Sanchez and Zekel. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I think that when you have the, the player material to do it, it's a, it's a wise thing to do because uh, it's a long season. They have many competitions to participate in. So you don't want to tire, tire them all out. Uh, and it's not like you're... I mean, you are downgrading when you play Jekyll instead of Lautaro, but really you're not downgrading because it's a great player uh, this season. At least Jekyll uh, has shown that he still has what it takes. Uh, not recently, of course, but but it's, it's still a great player. Uh, so it's a, it's a wise thing to do, I think. Yeah. It was interesting to see Alessandro Bastoni less attacking this uh, this game. I know he's a centre-back and everything, but he's been one of the best attacking and ball-playing centre-backs in the world for me this year. He was less on the attacking side in this game. But it, it's interesting to see just Inter's approach completely and holistically change. And the Conte was very direct. Full-backs very high, very wide. Striker coming deep. Centre-back playing it into the striker as the full-backs advance. Um, a lot more direct, basically. Inter is so much more patient with the ball now. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Uh, it's a, it's it's a lot of the same, but it, yet it's not. Uh, it, he keeps on. I think he has some similar ideas to to Conte, but as you say, much more patient and more comfortable with the ball. I would say as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a point was just about the fair result in the end. But Inter, look, the shoe in favourites. Do you think, who do we think, uh, do we think there's going to be anybody else that pushes them apart from Milan or Atalanta or Napoli? I, I, my, my uh, bet would be Atalanta. I think they, they're a very good football team and uh, they also have good depth to, depth, to be honest. Uh, yeah. And, and if, if they, don't have that they have a great academy to rely on as well and uh, so i think they have a kind of a special type of death because they have such a great primavera team as well uh, so if, it, if it's needed i think they they have many players there who was able to fill in one game or two uh, but i i think that atlanta could be could be a a contender as well and uh, they're not that far behind and yes yes even with all their injuries yeah <laughs> i think we'd all like to see it um i also 
you know, they were missing Duvan Zapata and Ilicic. But after sort of the opening 30 minutes of them pressing into, um, and apart from one occasion in the second half where they pressed Brozovic, and that led to the Pusino one-on-one chance, like I said, they did sit off, but their main tactic in the second half seemed to be knock it long to Luis Muriel. He will bring other players into the game. And Muriel, to his credit, was not really seen as, as much of a holder player or is a less bit of a, a, of a player to hold the ball up than Zapata. To his credit, did well to do that. If they had Zapata, I think that tactic would have worked better. Just knocking it long to him and then waiting for uh, players to advance into space for, so Zapata could bring them in. Yeah, yeah. M- Muriel is is more more player who who will run running behind the defense uh, into spaces and and uh, capitalizing them. While while Zapata isn't as fast as uh, Muriel is, but uh, more of a as you say, a strong player who can who can uh, take the ball down and, and await his uh, his uh, teammates to to join in the attack. Uh, but I yeah, from what I saw, I think that Muriel uh, handled that role well, and it was it was uh, it was great to see, to be honest. Yeah, so we get a we get a big game, lots of intrigue, but for once in Syria this year, not not too many goals between the big teams. What a shit league, eh, Maxi? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, Italians only play defensive football. <laughs> I hate when people say that. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Did you watch the Euros? <laughs> I, well, I was, honestly, I'm just, uh, he's just so much ignorance in that statement. Obviously not you, because that was sarcastic. Yes, yes, it was hilarious. People tweeting, oh, I had no idea Italy liked it. Like, that's not, it's just archaic. Like, that's not, that, that those days are long, long gone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they sure are, but somehow uh, Italian football can't get that stamp off. That's three of the uh, top points here we are covered. Let's move on to Fiorentina getting a massive win against Genoa because obviously whenever Fiorentina seem to win this year and a certain Serbian striker scores, Twitter is on fire, so we always have to talk about him. Dusan Vlavic. Dusan. Dusan. Is it Dusan? What is it? Is it Dusan? I want to get this right. I think uh, the Serbians say Dusan. That is pretty cool. When I went to see Atalanta this year, they were, um, when Zapata was, was, was uh, playing well against Spezia, they beat Spezia 6 2. The whole sort of curva was uh, chanting, Dusan. So I hope that when 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 Vlahovic plays for Serbia, they try and do San do San. Um, this striker has been on everybody's lips this this window. He's been on everybody's lips, uh, sort of. I think for the last six weeks because there's a bunch of Arsenal fans going gaga over the rumors that they were he he will join them. Great game against Genoa. He showed again his his qualities. He's he's a fantastic fox in the box. He worked well with Saponara, Bonaventura, Nico Gonzalez. Handy, handy plays for Fiorentina this year. They've thrived under uh, Vincenzo Italiano, the former Spezia manager's tactics. Vlavic seems to be the cup price Haaland of, of the summer. He's, he's playing extremely, well, not the summer, but of any window, really. He's on everyone's radar at the moment. Willie, let's address this first because I'm seeing it everywhere. I can't see him going to Arsenal. Yeah, yeah, I can't do it. I can't see him going there either. But 
I said the same about Nicolas Pepe, and he went there. <laughs> so, so I. Uh, and that worked out brilliantly. Yeah. Yep. Uh, splash the cash, Arsenal. Uh, yeah. No, but uh, it, it was the same with uh, Thomas Partey as well. I. <laughs> I don't know how Arsenal are doing it uh, when they don't have that many results or accomplishments in the league. Yeah. I mean, I, I think clubs in, in England in general have the financial pull. Like clubs in clubs in the middle, in, in the mid-table of, of, of the Premier League have financial pull. There's, there's no doubt about that. I'm just wondering if Vlavic is really a tenable de- destination for, for Arsenal. I think it'd be a great signing for Arsenal. I just think that he can go to somewhere else like a... Uh, it, most likely, I think, somewhere in Italy because mostly Italian players or, or players that play in Serie A tend to stay in Serie or I, I think Premier League is a big jump up. I think there's only six players that are actually Italian in Premier League. Yeah, yeah, I... I, I... I'm, I'm with you on that. And I think that if he goes to Arsenal, uh, the problem then is that he will become so expensive when he will want to take the next step that not many clubs will be able to pay that fee. Uh, in, if it goes to like Juventus or, or Inter, it will automatically be a lower fee, probably, uh, when he wants to take the next step because... Italian clubs don't charge as much as, as English clubs. Uh, no doubt that Arsenal would be a good step for him. I think that he would do very well in the in the Premier League. Yeah, he's he's got the physicality, the the smartness, the the touch, and and every every everything he needs in the box to be a great scorer. Uh, but yeah, I, I I don't really see, and I, I I think that he should stay in Italy. That that's my advice if you're listening to Sean. Yeah, um, I believe he should stay in Italy as well. Just a, a quick one on the amount of Italian players in in the Premier League. This is with obviously Italian nationality. How many do you think it is, Maxi? Oh, that's a good question. I I I reckon you don't count like uh, Emerson Palmieri, who's uh... no, yeah, I'll count him. I'll, I'll give you him. I'll give you him. Okay. Uh, Emerson, Coutinho, uh, Golini. Wow. Four. Well, if we're, if we're counting Emerson, four. Ogbana at and, and West Ham. Oh, yeah, right. But that's astounding to me. There's only four Italian players in the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. That, it's it's mad. That's, that's nuts to me. That's just crazy. Anyway, um, where do we think Vlaovic will go if it was... If he was to stay in Italy, I think that the Juventus would be the likely destination. Maybe Inter, but I, I, I think that he has like this, this Juve uh, aura that that he's like a player they usually go for. Yeah, he's got a bit of a snarl to him, doesn't he? You can, you can pick. I can picture him in black and white. Yeah, yeah, me too. And. <laughs> Yeah, we we have to wait and see, but that would be my bet if he stays in Italy, uh, because it's more or less only Inter or uh, Juve who has the financial muscles to to sign him. I think I don't think that Milan want to pay that much for a player, uh, like just for one player. Uh, but I really can't see it. So I I, I would say Inter or uh, or Juventus. 
yeah, let's let's see what happens. He seems to be a hot commodity at the moment. I, I thought it was interesting when he penanted a penalty, missed, and then later apologized to the fans when he scored, and then <laughs> Arsenal fans on Twitter were going, "Oh, oh, he's saying goodbye to them." Oh, he's no, you idiot. That's not what's happening. He's simply apologizing. Please move on. I just don't get. Well, I do understand it a bit because you know Twitter cloud, but I just, I just love to be that guy who puts videos up for cloud and he's like putting a big headline up and it gets loads of retweets and likes. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I saw that as well. Yeah, yeah, I definitely get you. And to be honest, I get the Arsenal support as well because when when your club is after a player like that, you. <laughs> You, you you want to like comprehend every every little thing that is going to to your club. You can see see uh, supporters uh, chasing. Oh oh, Dusan has started following uh, Aubameyang on tw- on Twitter now. <laughs> that one's my favorite. It's just fans like just looking at what footballers do on social media. Like, oh my god, he he had some ice cream in in Milan. Oh, he's moving there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe he's just there on vacation. Yes. Or possibly he has a grandma there or a sister or a girlfriend or something. But anyway, um, I, I do think <laughs> transfer Twitter is hilarious because I think um, there was, a, I can't remember what the signing was. Maybe it was Van Dyke or something. <laughs> yeah. It was Van Dyke, I think, going to Liverpool. And somehow Liverpool fans had started tracking flights. <laughs> Going from like I think Southampton to Liverpool, or like he had been playing on international duty with Holland, so they tracked from Holland to <laughs> England. So you see all these tweets and pictures of like, oh look at this! There's a flight here. It's on a private carrier. There's only two people on it. I think that's him. Like it's just hilarious seeing all these fans become detectives in 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 trying to track players down, and oh, it's, it was hysterical. Yeah, yeah, I saw that as well. Uh, I, I can't remember what signing it was, but it was like a deadline day, and uh, it was Liverpool supporters as well. And they were like, and uh, they were like, uh, "Oh, oh, uh, this van is going to Melwood," uh, and they were tracking a van. And they they looked up all the details about the van and where it had been, and yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I can nothing but respect that uh, dedication. <laughs> <laughs> and then they end up like, imagine if a fan actually comes up and tracks the van and it's just some normal guy doing his job, like, like de- delivering Coca-Cola, delivering Coca-Cola around England or, or something like that. Hi, I'm the boot cleaner. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, the, I'm just the milkman. I'm here to deliver the milk. <laughs> For, for Liverpool. Anyway, a good win for Fiorentina, 6-0 against Genoa, who they are firmly in trouble, man. Genoa are in trouble. The Andrei Shevchenko has left. Um, I, I think what, what they said when, when he arrived was they looked at his form against... Sorry, not... They looked at his form for when he managed Ukraine in the Euros, and he got a lot of good results against teams that were big. So they brought him in whilst they had a lot of big games coming up against uh, the likes of you know, Milan and the likes of Lazio, Atalanta and they expected results from him but Sheva was only in charge for what was it, nine games? Yeah, something like that. I mean, nine games without any financial backing when you already played Juve, Lazio, Atalanta and Milan 
what what more did you expect from him? I I don't, you, you know. Yeah, and I think that's the, that's a big problem at at clubs like Genoa. Like they don't have any patience. Uh, Sheva is probably a great manager, but they didn't give him time. Uh, how how is he supposed to change the, uh, problems that are that deep in nine games? It's it's impossible. Not not even Pep Guardiola would do that. I don't know what they're doing. Uh, it's it's frustrating to watch because they're such a classical team. You want them in Serie A, but they're so self-destructive. Um, are you okay? Are you crying about Genoa? You hear? I'm I'm <laughs> I'm lost for words. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, oh, well, I mean, Matthias Distro don't leave. Genoa can go as long as Matthias Distro stays in the league. I'm I'm a happy man. <laughs> Yeah, don't leave, don't leave. But I mean, I mean, seriously, they've they've picked up uh, two points from their last eight games, so I, I just I fear for them. I re- I really do. Um, the table doesn't look very good to them either. They're now six points off Venezia in seventeenth. Um, Salernitana for me look n- nailed on to go down. Although having said that, halfway through the year, anything can happen. But uh, Above Venezia is Sampdoria on 20 points. Cagliari in 18th are on four, uh, 16. So a four-point gap to Cagliari above them. they got to start getting results and getting results soon. Yeah, yeah. Otherwise, they're, they're screwed. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a very complicated um, position they're in right now, but they really start need to start getting wins. Uh, otherwise, soon will be too late. Yeah, yeah. If, if anything, just do it for Destro, man. <laughs> do it for Destro. God, God. Save. Do it for Destro. Let's get that trending. After this, we're going to tweet out. Yeah. Can we talk about his revival at Genoa? Hashtag do it for Destro. Hashtag milkman. It's, it's amazing. Of course we can. Of course we can. Man. Yeah. All, it's all I've been talking about, man. He's, and also, he's, he's got rid of the, the buzz curtain. He's now got Jesus hair. Yeah, he's got long, luscious hair, and they've—he's mainly scored headers this year as well. <laughs> All in the hair, yeah. It 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 aids the the head. Uh, Genoa in trouble. Let let's uh, let's see where they go. Two two great uh, free kick goals uh, from uh, Cristiano Biragi in this game. Yeah, Christian, yeah, Biragi of all players. Yeah, two goals, not one, two free kick goals. <laughs> Did you did you see him do the Conor McGregor walk after? I think one of them. Ah, uh, I missed it. No, you didn't. I, I'll have to. I'll, I'll definitely tweet that to you. Viragi was acting way up, man. He was loving it. He was loving it. Please do. I need to see this. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you. Moving on from there, um, Napoli also picked up a, a good routine win for them against Bologna two nil. Um, I think positives for them. Victor Osiman is back as well. Meanwhile, Juve also picked up a tuna win against Udinese. Paolo Dybala did something very interesting. Did you see this? Yeah, yeah, I saw this. After scoring, he glared to the Juve stands. By the way, um, for, for listeners who don't know, COVID in Italy has meant that the officials in uh, in the league, Lega Serie A, so all the officials like the, um, what do you call it in, in Italy, Maxi? Like the board? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. 
like I'm I'm trying to think of anyway, like the the, the chairman, basically the dons of of of, of Syria, the the head honchos decided that. The Godfathers. Yes, the Godfathers of Syria, basically the, the people who run the league, and they run it in such a hilarious manner, decided that there's only going to be 5,000 fans allowed in the stadium. Dybala, after scoring against Udinese, glared at someone or something in the stands. Cam- the camera panned to Pavel Nedved, who looked very nervous and adjusted his mask. After the game, he said, um, I was looking for a friend. Okay, Paolo, like... Yeah, like, okay. Um, he's clearly making a statement because they said that basically, oh, yeah, um, we're going to give you a no new contract. Oh, yeah, remember that contract? Uh, yeah. We're not so sure about it anymore. So I, I think I, I love stuff like this, by the way. I love it when it's not a team that I'm supporting. It's very toxic for a, for a, a fan to watch, but as a neutral, it's great. Very, very dramatic <laughs> yeah yeah and we need to add that uh, Pavel Nedved looked very guilty yes very nervous yeah very nervous and very guilty let's see uh, if that contract situation gets sorted out um I can't really picture Dybala leaving uh Yuga. no I I can't either but I, I I don't know I have this nagging feeling about Tottenham now with Conte there and Paratici there <laughs> Uh, I do think they will do uh, make a push for him, but in the end, I think that he will choose Juventus. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just um, this. This happens at Juve from time to time. There's a bit of drama, and I think they like this kind of stuff. They like the, the sort of the melodramatic politics of it. Yeah, not, exactly. Not that they like it, or maybe they're just used to it. Yeah, I, I think that's more more it. They're they're used to it. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe they just used to it. But anyway, they got a good routine win. They've now won. Uh, I think they haven't lost in eight games, and they've won six of them. Granted, they haven't really played anyone about from maybe Roma in that spell of form. Napoli also won in the weekend, which means Atlanta are now fourth on forty-two. Juve are fifth on forty-one, and Napoli are third on forty-six. Who do you think is making Champions League, Maxi? Hmm, I say Inter, Milan, Napoli and Atalanta. <laughs> that was very, very forthright. So you went Napoli, Milan, Inter and Atalanta. You don't think you've ever chance? <laughs> yeah, they, of course they have a chance. But in the end, I think the other teams will, will be stronger. I think if one of the teams are missing out, it's Napoli. But man, I I really gotta give credit credit to Spalletti. What a team he has created! Yes, yeah. I um was a little bit unsure of him because I I liked Reno Gattuso a lot, but they're now only four points off first. Napoli. Um, they've got Victor Osman back. Fabian Ruiz was back this week as well. Um, but they're a fantastic team to watch. Losing Lorenzo Insigne. Yeah, that's a big loss. I think it's 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 uh, yeah. It's a farewell tour for for Insignia. Yeah, yeah, it should be classified as something of a war crime that you're letting him go. To be honest, um, I mean, it's so disrespectful. Disrespectful, what they're offering him. I, I definitely understand why he's leaving, but it's it's so sad to see as a as a, a culture lover. And uh, he's leaving for the six to be friends with Drake, probably. I'd l- I'd love to see him feature on a Drake song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he probably will. 
And the song is just hit about how he's sad about moving to Toronto secretly. <laughs> and then, then he will make some some kind of pop song with Justin Bieber as well. All oh, right, right. And then he he'll just abandon his his footballing career. And him him and Memphis Depay just make albums. He does have a, a music superstar look. You got to give him that. I've seen that. Yeah, the glasses and the, the earrings and whatever, whatever, whatever. I've always I've always wanted to get studded earrings, but I've never been brave enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, yep. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. I I don't have. I'm never I never thought I'm cool enough. I'm I'm not you know Lorenzo Insigne or anything like that. But anyway, moving on from Hellas, there. Hellas Verona and Sassuolo. I want to cover this this game in particular. Because of the amount of attacking talent on show, uh, Verona obviously have Cholito, Diego Simeone's son, for, for those who don't know, Musa Barak, who's having a renaissance, and Gianluca Caprari. Casulo obviously had uh, Giacomo Rospadori, and I think the future of Italian football and one of the future best strikers in the world, Gianluca Scamacca. Did you watch any of the game or? Yeah, yeah, I, I saw this game and uh, it, it was uh, it was a pleasure to see. Yeah, it was a pleasure to see. So fun to watch. Uh, I've, I've liked the, both of the teams uh, very much individually this season, uh, but to see them up against each other was, it was the, the cherry on the cake. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's really satisfying to watch sort of both teams blatantly play out, play out from the back but blatantly have like methods to both of them as well Igor Chudo by the way what a job he's doing at Hellas Verona he, when he came in I think people forget this but Verona were near the bottom to get a team not only out of uh, of the relegation fight in Italy but also playing this well and so quickly I, I think uh, I think he deserves plaudits yeah, yeah. Historically, uh, Verona has pretty much been like yes, long balls and and like uh, fight themselves to to victories. But now they're playing very very well and uh, eye pleasing football. So it's it's such a contrast to see them do that. And it's satisfying as well. But you, you mentioned long balls and and Hellas Verona. Remember when they had Luca Toni? For like when he was 39, and I think they, they came up the first season, and every goal of his was like a header or a deflection. And he won, uh, he won, um, the top goal scorer, Capocanieri. Yeah, it was, it was a brilliant season. Oh, that, that's that's my guy, man. Look at Tony, what a guy, what a superstar! What a superstar. He'll be on the He'll be on the podcast next week. Oh, get me on. <laughs> I'm joking. He's not on. I mean, I'd love for him to be on. <laughs> Message him or, or mail him after this. Um, Gian, Gianluca Scamacca scored a peach, a peach of a bicycle kick. For me, I'm not really sure why he hasn't been called up to the national team. No, no, I, yeah, I'm with you because the national team, there, the strikers, there are, they're good, they're good for your club teams, but not for the for the national team. So I. <laughs> If I were Roberto Mancini, I would take a punt on him. I just try it out uh, because it's, I think that Gianluca Scamacca is uh, very Ibrahimovic-like uh, in his in his playing style. Uh, yeah, yeah. Both very technical, but very very dominant physically. Uh, they they have like a capability of doing the unexpected. You don't see, you don't expect them to do. They they just do it and you're left there gobsmacked yes yeah it's it's a pleasure to have 
uh, teams like Hellas Verona and Sassuolo playing the way they are in uh, in the league it was it was, um, it was an entertaining watch. I think the the future of of Italy's forward line is possibly at, at Sassuolo with Raspadori and Scamacca. They complement each other so well. Yeah, yeah, and I I also I also think that we should point out maybe they they don't have. <laughs> They they don't stand out as much, but Antonin Barak and Ivan Ilic for Verona, also two great players. Yes, Barak, yeah. Barak, Caprari and uh, Simeone, one of the unknown but surprise packages as a, as a threesome this, this year that have, that have played well, but... Um... But let's let's see. Yeah, it, it will be very exciting to see how how it, this season will pan out for them. Yeah, I, I don't think they're they're capable of uh, of Europa League spot, but I would love to see them go for it. Yeah, yeah, I I, I don't think they have that in them yet. <laughs> with with their... it, it's fifth, it's fifth and sixth to get Europa League spot, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, uh, they're only five points off. But let's see. I think, I think it could be a return for European football for for, for them. For not sorry, not for them, but for Fiorentina. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Uh, Possibly, yeah, with the way they're playing. I, I love the way uh, Vincenzo Italiano has uh, has taken this team. It's so so good football. Yes, <laughs> we're we're blessed in Syria. I think uh, Verona. Sassuolo, Fiorentina, sort of outside the Seven Sisters, play extremely good football. Empoli as well play very good football. Spezia too. There's only, I think, maybe three or four teams now that play sort of low blocks and defensive football in Serie A, you know? And what I like about Fiorentina as well is that they're they're recruiting very smartly right now. Like, uh, Jonathan Iconé is, uh, is a great player from, from the French League. Uh, he will make a great impact. And... Yeah, they signed the uh, what was that uh, Argentinian named? Nico Gonzalez. Yeah, exactly. He's brilliant. He's brilliant. Yeah, so they they're so smart in their in their recruitment uh, as well. Yeah, very jealous of Nico Gonzalez's haircut. By the way, he's got one cool haircut, man. It's a great haircut. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, rounding off on the bombshells, uh, on the bombshell of cool haircuts. That's all we have time for this week on Area de Rigore of episode six. Maxi, been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having, uh, thanks for being on the show. It was an absolute pleasure to be on. Thank you for having me. No problem whatsoever. Had a had a lot of fun. His Twitter handle is Maxi Angelo. That's Maxi with two A's. <laughs> thanks for joining us this week on ADR. That was all we have time for. Thanks very much. Bye bye.